You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Okay, so Sid Talk is going to sing a Christmas carol for you all to uh, celebrate the holiday festivities. Go. She is not. <laughs> oh, come on. That is incorrect. Come on. No. We, we've been trying to get you to sing all year for different occasions. Okay, we know. have? Yeah. I've said then why you love break, something and I said you would sing. Then why break tradition now? No. You just go ahead and give them your little plan right, I will for sing. the schedule. Happy holidays. <laughs> I don't know any. What's this thing? Um, you don't know any Christmas songs. manger, no crib for a bed. Is that the remix? The little Lord Jesus lays down his sweet head. Yes, that's it. I don't <laughs> subscribe to that song. It's <laughs> the only one I know. <laughs> you don't anyway. know Jingle Bells or... No. Yes. We wish no. you a Merry Christmas. None of those. No. I know a Live Aid one. <laughs> right. at, at Christmas time, Dude. African babies are dying don't and be, Don't be rude. Oh, no, gosh. that's what it is. It is not that's what, what, what that song is about. Yeah. Anyway, so happy Christmas because we will, well, whatever your celebration is, if you're into Christ, it will be Christmas. If you're into... Whatever. Every other religion that has any sort of holiday whatsoever, or if you're a non-holiday person, fine, too. Well, if you're a country that does not celebrate the holiday, such as Japan. They Correct. Have, they don't have Christmas. And they have their own holidays. Yeah, but not in, not in December. <laughs> um, anyway, so happy holidays to you all. And I just wanted to say at the beginning a little bit of housekeeping for the show. Um, we will have a show. This one you're listening to is the Christmas show, obviously. And then we are not doing a show on Christmas Day, which would be... Next Sunday. Next Sunday, which you would normally get to listen to on Monday. There will not be one there. But on New Year's Day, there will be a show. And on the New Year's Day show will feature our the thing we do every year where we run down our top five movies for the... Our favorite year. five, not the best. Just our the favorites. top five of the ones we've reviewed yes. in the year. Not Correct. all the movies that came out this year. Just the ones we've talked about. Correct. So we will do that on New we'll Year's Day. We'll do the worst as well. Yes, definitely. Okay. Okay. And I saw the worst when I looked <laughs> on the list. I immediately saw the worst one. I didn't even have to think. So, um, yeah, that's uh, what will be happening for the next two weeks. So let's get on to this show. It's Sunday, December the 18th. Very close to Christmas. It flew by this month, don't you think? This month? Um, this so year? Sunday, December the 18th. 2011. This is after the show number 203, and the movie we're looking at this week is Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And what I did figure from that um, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, we have a marquee uh, in front of the home theatre. We have a whole home theatre basement um, dedicated to home theatre, and I have a marquee above the door, and I put the name of the movie on the marquee every week. And what I did realise is that is a very long title because it barely fits on the marquee. Rise of, of the planet of the... It's not really that long, but... <laughs> no, but it's... A lot of of these. Um, so, it's the Blu-ray release, a 2011 movie, released on Blu-ray and DVD, actually, on the 13th of December, which was last week. Um, it's a PG-13. The tagline is Rise. Good tagline. Yes. Um, and the studio who are bringing this to us is 20th Century Fox, of course, you know. It, like, if there's any movie 
You know where the 20th Century Fox music at the beginning? Yeah. It's Planet of the Apes and Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're representative of, uh, for me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you're going to give us a synopsis of Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Did we do the before the after show the discussion? No, we did not. What was the before the after show discussion? Figuring out about your little plan, which days we're going to do the show <laughs> and not do the show. I Correct. think that was it. Pretty Co- much. Correct. And glancing over the list of what we might pick as our best and worst movies. I said it's going to be a diffi- it's going to be difficult choosing for me because there's quite a lot of movies I liked a lot this year. So you can pick ten if you want. I don't want to pick ten. You want to make it hard on yourself. So synopsis, please. Synopsis of Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I think they got that by now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I'm saying is that's kind of it. It synopsizes, I'm synopsizing that in this, if you've ever heard of this little movie called Planet of the Apes, at some point, we're not sure when in the future, I think it does say, we just have forgotten. I don't think it does say. That uh, um, apes, the, the balance of power shifts, apes become intelligent, human become the sort of enslaved species. And uh, this is how that happens, like... The prequel. Gen- genetic experiment. Well, no, this is the beginning of the story. It's like the... There's genetic experiments and whatnot, and then, of course, this highlighting... I'm saying it's the story of the beginning, though, so... That's what people So it's highlighting <laughs> the... Like, no, the enslavement that we have done to an intelligent creature, and sort of the what it takes to tip that balance and uh i found it very very interesting so rise of the planet of the apes um is that fair yes the uh you know the i um learned about this movie when i saw the trailer last year at some point when we went to see something on the cinema they showed the trailer for it um i was a bit worried because i shuddered with excitement i was a bit worried because planet of the apes has always been kind of precious to me because absolutely i I was brought up on it the tv series was very big part of my childhood um you know the all the movies they're not all great um but they're they're pretty good right uh and obviously the original is a iconic movie isn't it i mean there's a scenes out of that movie that when you see the greatest movies ever made, mm-hmm. kind of they show you clips from that movie. Um, so I was a bit worried that a, a modern day movie prequel to a series that I'm so fond of would be occurring because we know how that happened. We know what happens sometimes. They get too big for the boots and mess things up, and you know, it happened with Aliens, I guess, um, where the sequels. Not talking about prequels, but when they carry on making them, they're not very good. But this so happens, I think, that uh, they made a really good prequel. I couldn't... I was watching it, and I was thinking, I couldn't think of a better way of portraying the events here. And the events are intelligent. It's not a stupid movie. I'm not, like, thinking, oh, my God, no, rolling my eyes. Absolutely. Everything made lots of sense. Like, I mean, there was some... Uh, scientific stuff that obviously was sci-fi-ish, sure. but it all made sense, and it and it was really well presented. It was never like you thinking to yourself, "So what exactly did they do there? What's this science thing? I don't get why this." It was always clearly presented, and a slow progression, very slow into and this, methodical, 
And then when the S hits the F, as you as you would say, in this movie, it's fantastically done. I, you know, I couldn't have wished for more. I, I was almost like, wow, they really pulled everything off I could think of in this movie because I feel intimidated by it. I feel um, that our civilization could be finished by this because it's pretty... I mean, the only problem I did have was, you know, does the... Not How do we get from there to there? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like when it had finished, you're wanting more immediately. Yep. You're like, and, and they do do a kind of um, epilogue in during the credits, so stick around at the credits. But um, I was literally like, wow, that's awesome. And I know I can go and watch Planet of the Apes yeah, now. I want to, and, and continue the story. But, but there's a gap still. There's a gap, yeah. yeah. And that gap, obviously, this was a successful movie. That gap will, I'm sure, be yeah. filled by a planet, a rise, of, well, whatever the next one is. Um, but I immediately want that. Like, I, like, it left me wanting. I think that's a good thing, though. Like, I felt like I got a big movie. Yeah, yeah. But then at the end, I was like, oh, no, don't stop here. So that just is the indication of a good movie, right? Because you don't want it to end. And, you know... Weta, uh, Peter Jackson's Weta did the uh, um, special effects for this movie, which are absolutely bang on the entire time, I think. They, you know, like, they've learned a lot from Lord of the Rings. They've learned a lot from King Kong, which also had amazing special effects, King Kong, mm-hmm. um, in a similar vein to this, obviously. <laughs> but, um, you know, since Avatar came around and these new motion rig suits and stuff, Things have changed, and this indicates... I was watching it at times thinking, you know, Avatar... This movie wouldn't have been able to be made two years ago. It wouldn't have looked like this. And this... It was stunning in parts. So many things going on on the screen. You know? It's quite obvious they're not real apes, to me. I I do have a dis... Sometimes. Sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it is. The gorilla, to me, looks the most... The orangutan did too. Yeah, they really, really. But I mean, I, I'm no. I know I'm looking at a, it's a lot of CG characters. Yeah, yeah. What? Well, because you know we're familiar with apes, whereas Avatar, we're not familiar with uh, the Navi. We've never seen the Navi, so we don't know how they're supposed to. Yeah. So those are more. You know, you don't feel like you're looking at a CG thing. With this, I'm always thinking I'm looking at a lot of CG apes, but masterfully done. I mean, and partially due to Andy Serkis, which. We'll get to when we get to the extras. Like, there's expressions on the ape's face, and this is down to Andy Serkis. And the one where I said to you, look, um, Caesar looks exactly like he's being naughty. Like, I have been bad. Just small things on the ape's face where, you know, because he doesn't have to speak to convey. Um, But always I was getting emotion, you know, I was, I felt bad for apes all the time. Like it, it's a funny movie because it's about us, you know, mishandling Exploiting. something, exploiting, which we do on a day-to-day basis, as we said. And I, I said to you at the end of this movie, what I take away from this movie is we humans are evil bastards <laughs> at heart because we will exploit and mishandle things, and the apes in this movie for our own benefit. For our own benefit. And the apes in this movie have every right to rise against us. Every right. Now you can say, you can take the point of view of the people who go, 
obviously we're intelligent, we're more intelligent than other animals, blah, blah, blah. Therefore, it gives us the right to then try to protect our own species by using animals to test things like foods and medicines and whatnot to further our own existence. So, of course, we're going to. That's why we're here. That's what they're for. I don't grasp that concept, except that our culture and every other culture is built on the back of finding someone who's weaker or more easily exploited than yourself or your own species. Therefore, you just trample the shit out of them, get what you want, eat them, wear them, crush them up, inject them with shit, so that you can be healthier, happier, and more comfortable. I don't know if you put it to people that way. When you say it like that, it just makes you sound like a prick. It's like a bully of the world. Like you're the bully of the entire world. Because you're picking on something that, while a gorilla may not be weaker than me physically, they're at a disadvantage because we have the advantage of understanding weapons and killing and, like, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So they're at a disadvantage. So, uh, in essence, they're weaker because we can triumph over them in that way. But that's what we're doing then. We just bully every other species on the planet or try to figure out a way to do it. And this is just... And I'm not even... I'm not an activist. I'm none of that shit. But if you just really think about it, that's just what it is. And this points out, first of all, a genuine desire on the human's part to fix a disease that is affecting, you know, it's Alzheimer's and he wants to cure Alzheimer's. Which is... Which, which is totally fine. Which was, um, to me, when I was talking about it being an intelligent plot, mm-hmm. as soon as he mentioned that I was like, mm. I didn't think of that, and that is a fantastic reason for humans to... Work on the brain. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously, because as humans, if we had a sniff of a cure of cancer, we were, and it involved... We just had to take the uh, gene from a monkey, uh, kill tons of monkeys to cure cancer, we'd do it. Immediately, we'd do it. Mm. So, you know, because we're... We're, we're kind of for ourselves, aren't we? We're yeah, not for exactly. the other. So I loved the, um, you know, we can do this and we can cure. And still inside of that, even his motivation is torn a bit by the what we're doing to get there. Yeah. The path to get what we want isn't pleasant no. kind of thing. And S- such as it's not a perfect world. Yeah, it's not a perfect world. It's going to be that way. I get it. I'm not saying, yo, we're all going to be happy and perfect and let every animal thrive and we'll never do hum- you know, animal testing. Or it's really, I can't... I don't can't know the line. It because you're not it. Like, I mean... Yeah, I don't know the line either to cross between we need to survive and stay healthy and progress. And yet, why is it okay to pluck a whole bunch of rabbits, breed them in some boxes, and then shove them full of stuff and poke them and zap them and electrocute them and peel their eyelids back so that we can have makeup to wear. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it's like, if you really think about it, I know people like to shove it off to the side and I don't want to think about it and I love my new mascara. And then you go, oh, is it animal tested? (laughs) I don't care if it's animal tested. It's the tiniest thing, but then you really think about it. I I actually don't know how you could sit back and say I don't care. Oh, people don't care. People no, do not give a shit. I think it's horrendous. Absolutely. If it's removed from you, it doesn't matter. And I'm, we're the same. I mean, we don't... I mean, I mean, just sit those people in front of a movie of... Uh, I mean, a, a documentary of animal testing laboratories. Oh, they don't care. And they don't care. I think that that's giving people too much credit. People do not care. You might get one in a thousand. And that's why the apes should rise. <laughs> exactly. Like, you don't particularly care fully because we have parts of leather on chairs in our house. That means we're, wearing, we're sitting on someone's skin, 
because we can. Do you know what I'm saying? For no other reason. That's somewhere in history. Somebody figured out how to peel the skin off of an animal, do some stuff to it, and now it's a durable. It can make great cushions and coats. So, it's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, when you really think about nobody, it, you just, your brain can, wants to explode. Like, can, uh, you can't cause, undo cause something everything. you use somewhere was tested on an animal. Probably the WD-40 your oil Absolutely. your uh, garage door with was probably squirted in a rabbit's eye at some point. Some weird stuff like and that. And everything we're talking, we're, ta- we're talking, we've got desks and mice and a microphone and my clothes I'm wearing and the shoes I'm wearing. Everything has Plastics some, and- somebody down the road, somebody somewhere has been injured or hurt or exploited, even humans, exploited in the making of or the gathering of materials. So it yeah. just highlights that to me. So, so yeah, and your your final thing is, like, we deserve to get trampled and taken yeah. over by another species. And it, you know what? My, my favorite scene in this movie um, was, at, at some point, at one point, they, you know, on, in Caesar, who's the main ape in this movie, um, is growing up. Um, and he puts a leash on him to take him for a walk. And Caesar sees, in the park, sees a dog with a leash on it. And immediately questions, am I a pet? Yeah. And it was so, like, I was I was blown away by the whole yeah, concept of it. Yeah, if someone can ask you, yeah. am I a pet? I mean, because... You can't say we have yes. To explain, Caesar um, can sign... He's taught him sign language from right. an early age. So Caesar actually says to his owner, am I a pet? And he says, of course you're not a pet. And then he's questioning, why have I got this thing around me? Yeah. Back? It was awesome. It was. I was just like, you know, because we do... You know, you've you've got this ape living in your house, so you have to control it in some way. Otherwise, it's running wild to protect it and to protect, protect others from else, it. Yeah. Or, but you know that that was my favorite. It was, it was just completely it sums the whole movie up. You know, like well, there's obviously lots of other yeah, moments, yeah. but that moment was just it was a bit of a mind blowing moment because and it's, it's a very small moment. And the moment where Caesar climbs to the top of a tree and the days and nights oh, and months, so good. Um, it's like a three-year period or something. Five. Five-year period where Caesar's climbing this tree in Weta's fantastic CG. You know, the camera spins around him. The seasons change. He grows up. Amazing. I wanted to watch it again. I wanted to rewind <laughs> it and see it again. It was so good. Like, um, I just think they did a, a fantastic job of it. Um, it got a lot of praise. Highly, you know. I thought they might mess up a new Planet of the Apes movie. Tim Burton's one didn't go down well for me. I dislike it. I can genuinely say I dislike it. I had to watch it again because I don't get why everybody disliked it. I disliked it at the time. I can just because I have such even the worst of the Planet of the Apes movies, the old ones, the classics, is way better than. Okay, let's just lay it down here. They're not classics necessarily. They are because they're precious to you, but they're not great movies. I don't mean classics. I mean as in classic, as in the ones from back in the day, like Star Wars classic or Star Wars new. You know. Okay. That's what I was and also saying they're not good just because they're Planet of the Apes. No, they are. They are actually good. At least three they're of them. They're not all. Good. No, not all of them. But at least three of them are good. But I'm saying even the the bad two, I'd rather watch than the Tim Burton one. I just didn't. It was almost. It was exactly why I was worried about Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I was like, because they just have to be too cool and too thing. But no, mm, they weren't okay. too cool. They were being smart. The story wasn't stupid. I mean, we get a lot of stupid stories nowadays where you sit rolling your eyes at the story. You do just you just do with these big effects movies, and you're like, 
oh, really? What? Really? I never did that once. I was like, this is the, the perfect way of telling this story. And it isn't exactly how I thought it would have played out. I mean, the yeah. end result is how I thought it would have played out. But it's not, it didn't exactly get to the point the way I would have thought. So I really liked it. It was a twist and a turn, plot-wise. Um, I don't have a bad thing to say about it. Do you? I don't think so. I mean, there are times when the the movement of the you know the apes gets a little. It just jumps out as not there's not enough weight to it or something, and that kind of pulls me out every few second, every few minutes or so. I think so, it's the best gotta... we can do in this now. It doesn't mean it just looks perfect to me. It doesn't look perfect, as I said earlier. Um, sometimes. Well, all the time, I never feel like I'm looking at real apes. Maybe when it, maybe when I'm looking at a close-up shot of Caesar's face when he's talking. Not talking, when he's looking at his owner and, and they do close-up expression shots of him. Yes, that, like that's like yeah. that Blu-ray cover. It looks very real. You're talking about when he's moving when, around. When his stuff. face is moving, but when his whole body is moving, there's some... I don't know, I had lots of times when I was convinced I'm thinking of But it's not like King Kong... Which was Weta's earlier attempt at doing um, fake monkeys and apes. That had some really dodgy parts, remember? Mm-hmm. But there Absolutely. again, that was a giant gorilla. Um, Shouldn't matter. There was parts, but they were learning the crap, and it was before these new suits and all this kind of stuff. Still very good, King Kong, for its time. But if we looked at it now, it wasn't probably... big enough. No, it wasn't big enough. It I, was not big enough. Did, it I needs did. to be a giant ape, not just. A pretty big ape. <laughs> I did like the movie. But, um, yeah, the, the special effects, I this, I wasn't complaining about them. No, no, no. They, they were great. I mean, and the definitely the motion capture is amazing. The facial motion capture, the, you know, put there's no dead eyes on these animals. No, no. You know when you have no, that, perfect. that thing where we say uh, in video games, oh, that character looks weird because he's nothing behind his eyes. Everything's no, they're behind They're fully him. alive. Like, there's yeah. no doubt that... It's a creature. And, but uh, the fact that they are portraying something that's so real to us. That we we've know. all seen movies and documentaries and we've all been to zoos, unfortunately, and we've all seen them in real life. And so when you take something that real, the human brain, as we know, symbols and shapes and the way things move, if you make it just a little bit off, it draws attention to it. That's why our brains work the way they do, so that if something is wrong, we can identify it. Like, you know how... If I was watching a group of people walk away in silhouette, I would know my mother, just the cadence of her step and the shape of her head, everything. I would know her because I've looked at her my whole life. If you tried to redo her in CGI, yeah, exactly, it would... it, there would be something like, it's just not, nah. So, you know, you gotta, I guess, gotta forgive the... Well, to me, it was not, it was not an issue. I mean, there's just, I, like I say, I knew all the time I'm looking at CGI apes, but that's just because I know I am. Yeah. I mean, they're not real. And um, Do you think if someone who was totally clueless about it and you set them down in front of it and then later said to them, did you know none of those were real? There might be some people like my mother who would watch it and you'd say to her, none of those animals were real. Like, not one single one. She'd be like, no. Right. Because there were lots of scenes with lots of them in the background and sitting in cages where you could say they could mix them together. 
but luckily the director understood that what he said. We are we're showing the exploitation of animals, and for us to use trained animals in our so, movie is like that's <laughs> evil, isn't it? That's horrible. Yeah. So, um, so but, yeah, there was yeah. not there was no animals used in this. No. apart from they did research on animals. I don't mean research. <laughs> I don't mean that kind of research. They went I mean, to zoos. They went to zoo- yeah, which is still bad. Don't go to zoos. No, seriously. You know, see. One of the things for me here was, you know, well, the- talk about frivolously exploiting animals. Yeah, Jeez. see, one of the things here was it's the rise of the planet of the apes. I'm not giving away anything. It's the pre- you know the apes are going to rise at some point. Yeah. One of my problems, or I thought I was going to have a problem with, with was there's not that many apes in captivity. So if we're going to get a bunch of them together, there's never going to be enough to overpower us with our tanks and. Etc. They, they covered that. But they covered it brilliantly. I yes. thought. Yes. Because I was thinking, what are thirty apes going to do running around the Even city? Even one hundred and fifty in the world running around the yeah. city. Because as soon as they enter the city, well, the marines come out with the tanks and the big machine guns, and they're all gone. They're dead instantly. Like, so I was like, well, how's, how's this going to work? But the apes have a bit of an advantage. Yes. And it all stems from the same same thing. So that's what's awesome to me. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's the equivalent of a mad scientist doing some crazy experimental uh, biochemistry something or other. It's the same as from um, your game with the under the Raccoon City and stuff. You know, bio biochemical studies. Resident and, Evil. Right, where you're doing some kind of serum that makes a super soldier, or you're doing some kind of serum that makes a super brilliant whatever. Actually, and, one thing I noticed about any movie that has a serum. Always has a cool container. Yeah, they're the really cool. Always, yeah. and it's like um, it always makes. Always. <laughs> yeah, so like, like it's un, like it's de- It's awesome. Like I'm like, why can't things come in that container? Why can't I open a yogurt and it does that? You know. My wine did earlier. My wine beverage when I open it went. And it's always like titanium looking, and it always has a see-through thing where you cold, can see the potion. Like, yeah, like it's been out of the fridge. Yeah, it's like. Did you as soon as you saw the po- the serum thing in Planet of the Apes? I thought of Resident Evil. Absolutely, I was like, oh, well, Resident Evil is the best one ever. Yeah, it does. They have that twisty yeah, glass. It's fantastic. Thing. Thing. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, but even when he was throwing the canisters, yeah, and stuff, yeah. I was like, wow, it's any movie with a serum has to have a cool canister because. It's like the thing for the movie, isn't it? So it has to be the best thing. The thing that looks amazing on camera. So um, let's move on to the cast of this fine movie. We've got James Franco playing Will Rodman. Now, I'm surprised at you. Why? Because your words exactly were Andy Andy Serkis is the star of this movie. And you didn't talk about him first. So that's unfair. And I was um, disappointed at the end credits where it was like, Blah, 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 and Andy Serkis. Yeah, but I think that highlights him. That's like in reverence to, like um, some movies will say, in Marlon Brando. That's because that's the highlight of the movie. So I was All right, so let's start with Andy Serkis then. Very good. Let's forget James Franco. Andy Serkis (laughs) plays Caesar, um, the main ape in this piece. Um, I think he's not just one ape, actually, but yeah. No, there was other guys who played other apes, too. No, I mean, I think he and played girls. more than one ape. Yes. So, but... Um, but Caesar will be the performance that... Absolutely. You know, we'll get. So, the controversy this year, and I've seen an advert in uh, Variety magazine. I was looking... Somebody sent me a press release of the advert in Variety magazine, and it's a picture of um, Caesar... And then split screen with Andy Serkis with his face rig on. And it's like, 
Andy Serkis for Oscar nomination. Yeah. Which category will we will he fit into? And it was Fox trying to say, we've got this movie here with this awesome performance. What this actor's probably going to get um, you know overlooked because where does he fit? He's not. There's this other Oscars, isn't there? The week before or something where they do the technical mm-hmm. achievements. It's just not as prestigious. It is amongst technical CG etc but you don't get to be on the TV it's not the whole spectacle is it so will Andy Serkis and they've made new categories in the past for other things they have, why so, not add so they're saying now like you know and Avatar the, a couple of years ago um, you know there was performances by actors who never had the faces correct so Andy Serkis does not show his face in this entire movie so but he does a fantastic performance so where his is I guess category. they would have the problem is somebody's gonna have to sit every single frame of that movie and stop and pause and say that eye movement was Andy Serkis but the next one's 100% CGI and that chin movement was Andy Serkis but there they've covered it over with CGI and that head movement was Andy but then they've totally made a new one with CGI there's no way to quantify what part of him you're seeing as the whole it all stems from his yeah like when Andy Serkis talks so you'd have to watch the entire movie with him, you know, entirely with a split screen. But can you not see. just say, like, overall, I got this out I don't of that think so. I think that to be able to judge someone, because let's say Andy Serkis is this one, and you could pluck out 89.5% of it is him, what you see in the movements and the emotion, and then next week somebody makes a movie where Brad Pitt does one, but the truth of the matter is you only know it's Brad Pitt. There's not the same saturation of his performance showing through. So maybe 10% of the eye movements and the gestures are him. And yet, because and because Brad Pitt was wearing the suit, we're going to give him the award. So we're going to have an award for just motion capture actor. Motion capture, you know, it doesn't even have to be your face. It could just be your movements or... I don't think like it's against... I think capture. it's a fine thing because it's only going to get more. We're only going to have oh, more and more motion capture um, performances. Yeah, and, and they were right when um, they said... They were talking about Andy Serkis in the extras and he said that he kind of fell into that role because mm-hmm. that is exactly right because before Lord of the Rings, we didn't have a need for it. I mean, yes, they were, it had been used, but really experimental. And then Peter Jackson developed something and then Andy Serkis realised... You know, I can. He's done video games in a motion capture suit. In fact, you saw me play a video game with Andy Serkis, uh, which was that Odyssey mm-hmm. enslaved, enslaved. And at the end, he actually turns up as himself in the game. It was really interesting. You know, Andy Serkis and this motion captured actor that he played. Um, so yeah, I think they need a new category. They do, but it ha- you have to be able to say. Can you nominate this actor just because he put on the suit and ran around the studio and got filmed versus Andy Serkis who Who's performs every yeah. inch of it? His face, his body, his arms, his head, every bo- every part of him is that char- makes that character who they are versus someone who goes, hey, I can, I can get, you know, just slap on the suit and do some of this and that and they'll film my face yeah. and blah, blah, boom, I'm in. You know, I mean, I think that's a very sticky thing where if you're watching a movie with an actor... It is what it is. You can see everything they do, and they're either shitty or they're not. You know what I mean? So, I just think they have to really, really think about it. I mean, I, I would hope Rise of the Planet of the Apes is nominated for special effects Oscars. Sure. Because of what else I've seen this year, and it deserves special effects Oscars. I mean, it's pioneering a lot of things, including mm-hmm. 
the biggest motion capture rig they've ever devised outside, which, uh, you know, we can only have a certain amount of people being motion captured at once. They've devised a way of having more. There's things like that, technical achievements that this movie's made. And I don't want Andy Serkis to be looked over. No, no. Because he deserves any, as much as... I, would, I wouldn't want James Franco to get all the praise for this movie. Of course not. Because it's not James Franco. Partially, but not. So, back to James Franco, who plays uh, Will Rodman, who is... Serious. Yeah. <laughs> He's a serious guy, and I, I'm just compelled by him. He has, this, uh, <laughs> he has this really kind of odd delivery of... Uh, it's in a good way for me. But he's not like other actors. Hmm. He's almost like he's, he's almost like he's so comfortable delivering whatever he's delivering, be it a serious line, or be it like Pineapple Express or something, some wacky, sh- stupid crap. He's got this way of delivering stuff where I almost feel like he's not acting. He's just, you know, like it, it's nothing to him. I know, I know, I'm, I'm sure it is. Of course it is, But it's yeah. almost like it isn't. Like, it's almost like, I just do it, you know? I'm so confident I can just do it. And it just comes out, like, some people will say the way you presented the Oscars last year, people didn't like that. I loved it. But I think that was just him being him. Absolutely. Just, I liked it. Right? And they're all like, no, he's stoned. No, he's just a laid-back type of character, right? He might have been stoned. Might have been stoned. <laughs> um, but in the, you know, in this movie, I bought him, and... Him performing against Andy Serkis and getting to see it in the extras... Must have been trying. Hard, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes... When I, when you're trying to deliver a serious line, because this movie is quite serious subject, and it's not a... I don't think it's a light-hearted romp or anything. No, I think no. it's serious. You're thinking about these horrible issues. And he has to be very credible the entire time, otherwise it'd be, it'd be too much of a joke, wouldn't it? And when he's delivering this serious stuff to Caesar... And we see it in the extras, and it's Andy Serkis in this ridiculous-looking get-up. How hard would it be to stay, you know? Because he's, he's an actor. That's what they do. Yeah, they but act. I'm saying it's hard. <laughs> like, I mean, I, you know, there must be tons of times you crack up because it looks silly, or it's... I don't think. You know? I think if you're serious, you're serious. You know what I mean? You take the whole thing seriously, and you have to envision the end when all of it put together is going to be this. And I, you know, it's like... It's like making a painting. It doesn't look like the painting from the beginning. It only looks like the painting at the end. And so you have to imagine everything. And I think that he just takes it very seriously. And, you know, since I watched 127 hours, hours I've had a great respect for him. Because I think that is my favorite role of him. I mean, it was, it's pretty amazing, that movie, if you, uh, if you should go back and watch it. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's a movie with one actor acting on his own the entire movie almost and it's it must have been painful making that movie I'm not talking about what happens in the movie I'm talking about painful as in days and days of sitting there and you know oh, I don't think it was very painful I think, I think painful pretty... emotionally like um, you know putting your all into mm-hmm. that part because you want to respect that sure. guy who's still alive and live through that shit and not make him look silly and make it look reasonable you know um and I'm trying to think of other James Franco movies I've seen. Whilst Spider Man, I could take it, <laughs> take it or leave it. Spider Man, James actually. Dean. James Dean's fantastic. I mm-hmm. still think he's fantastic. I watched that. And he was young. Yeah, think about really that. Was. I mean, yeah. we're talking. Was it twenty years ago? Yeah, must 15 be. Fifteen years ago. Must yeah. be. 
Yeah, it was, it was really good. It was I, intense. I don't know how good that is now. I just know I was kind of blown away with it at the time, but I was a kid. Now I might watch it and it seems like, you know... Pretentious, a little bit. Or maybe. like, you know, not not that great or whatever. But I, seemed, I was moved by it at the time, you know? Um, all right, so secondly, we've got Frida Pinto as Caroline Arana. So she's the girlfriend. She's a veterinarian. I was going to say girlfriend slash wife. Was yeah. the Girlfriend. Girl, just girlfriend the entire years, all them years. Franco. Um, of James Franco. I don't I think that... that uh, really know her? I don't think it was pivotal no, to I have... Don't. What was she there for, really? She was there relationship. for... Relationship. To show... I mean, doesn't, his life isn't all about this... The father and yeah, the Yeah, to eight. say he's not... He's more balanced. He's not just this intense, throw himself into his career kind of guy. You know, like that would... Reflect on Caesar as well, wouldn't it? If he was that kind of guy, he wouldn't have had a lo- as much of a loving bringing yeah. up. So I guess it was to. But give. arguably, you could pluck that character out and not suffer. Yeah. If you don't have her in there, it's a it's a sausage fest. Yeah. <laughs> of all species. Well, you have to throw a lady in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. she really literally is the only. I yeah. mean, there's women in the laboratory and stuff, yeah. but she's there's no leading women anywhere, is there? Um, she's a good choice, though. I like her a lot. Yeah, I'm not familiar with it at all. Um, John Lithgow, and sometimes that's good, right? If you have, it's better than you know Angelina Jolie popping up and you're like uh, somebody super famous and going and you're going. Mm. I don't buy her. Sometimes you don't buy them. Um, so John Lithgow. John Lithgow plays um, his father, who's like a Alzheimer's Alzheimer's patient. patient. So that's where the Alzheimer's thread comes in here, because he's torn between. And he's good. He's always good. I think um, I think he's always the same kind of. Think of I think when he's pretty he, intense. When but he then played he's in really Dexter funny last year. in the show in um, Third Rock from the Sun. He's really funny. I always funny. think of him from Dexter. Yeah, but you've not seen him in Third Rock from the Sun. He's really funny. Yeah. Like so, he's not always the same at all. I think he's very different. But in this, so it's a sad old man. Yeah, plays this. Yeah, it's, this is but a there's pretty, a credibility there that I think he brings. That's good. And Brian Cox plays John Landon. Who, um, I'm not a fan of Cox anymore. Really like Brian Cox. Creeps me out. Because you watched Lie. No, I think he's really <laughs> creepy in uh, X Men, and I think he's just creep creeps me out. I've always liked it. That thing of him torturing Wolf Boy Man, whatever, forever, are just awful. So I don't. Maybe that's a credit to him. I find him repulsive. He does play a lot of the bad. Yeah, man. He 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 is he's either typecast or he enjoys that role, right? Being like the, a sleazy fucker. And in this movie, he's the sleazy fucker. I mean... He, yes. Yes. Absolutely. He, I mean... He, yes. You don't... There's no you're joy. You're not supposed to like There's him. There's no joy in that no. role. But I liked, the, I liked him in it. And Andy Serkis is Caesar. There are other people, but Andy Serkis is Caesar. Um, We've discussed Andy Serkis. Yeah. So this is directed by Rupert Wyatt. Um, I think we should mention that Tony guy, I forget his last name, but he played the other main and he did the training... Of the ape movements for everybody on the ape cast. And we've seen Tony him before. Said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we saw him on Lord of the Rings or something like that in the extras. That's what I, I feel like. Um, but the director's Rupert Wyatt. And uh, it's not directed any other movies. Apart from a movie called The Escapist, which I have not seen. That sounds familiar. Uh, it didn't look familiar when I looked at it. We haven't seen it. Um, but it's a good... What I always wonder is... It's a very husband thing to say, we haven't seen it. Like, I had no well, life. It was in the last, it was in the last five years. <laughs> I, um, 
What I'm interested in sometimes, though, is how it comes to be. How does a director who's not got a back catalogue of... Yeah. You know, make this is one of Fox's crown jewel franchises, right? How does somebody who's made one film here... How did uh, Peter Jackson get a third of a yeah. billion dollars? It's... $350 million to make Lord of the Rings win. All he had made up to then was, like, The Frighteners... And, and some horror movies. Dead Alive. and Obviously, it was, obviously it was a fine uh, investment on yeah. Warner, Warner <laughs> Brothers' behalf. But still, at that time, how do, you, how do you present enough of you, like this guy here, to say, just I hand me wonder, the money? I, yeah. I often wonder. I see, I see something like Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Okay, they, they'll have thought long and hard about who's directing this. It'll probably be somebody amazing who, who we all know and love. Tim Burton. <laughs> we saw how that went. So maybe this time they thought... We don't give it to somebody like that. We give it to somebody who, you know, we recognise something else in. He did a fantastic job. I think the direction is good. I think it's pretty straight up. Yeah. Visually, apart from the CG. I think they have to, just like functionally speaking. There are lots of interesting camera angles and stuff. Well, most of that's the CG But because they have to make all these apes, you know, in CG, you can't have like a crazy... Every camera everywhere style. you go, yeah. But um, there's lots of close-ups and stuff that I like a lot. And I feel like managing on that set where you have to redo the same line and the same scene multiple times because of the logistics of there's Andy Circus in the suit, let's do it. Let's take him out and now, Franco, just do it by yourself and pretend someone's there next to you. Now let's take that out. Let's do this again with the thing in the back and let's do it from this angle. Being able to keep a mood where everyone keeps going and they aren't all... It doesn't turn out real shitty. Right. That takes a certain kind of direct... Because you are, like, the captain of the ship. So your mood and your tone kind of sets up everybody for... I'd know. give him the job for directing the next one. Sure, sure. Definitely. I wouldn't switch it around. Um, so the we looked at the Blu-ray release, which is a combo pack thing. Um, the slipcover for this Blu-ray is fantastic. It's my favorite slipcover all year. It's like this... Um, <laughs> Matt finish picture of Caesar with uh, the only thing that's kind of embossed is his eyes and the logo. But the eyes, are, they glow this green, yep. shimmery green. It's fantastic. It's how a cover should be. It's um, yeah, simple. Absolutely. And striking. Tells you everything about the movie and it's striking. Like, um, I would want that as a poster. Yeah, so would sure. I. And they forget the Blu-ray logo branding. They get rid of it all. It's just this, no stickers, just this Rise of the Planet <laughs> Um and oh then, yeah, even the even the boxes. The, the actual box is the same. Um, so uh, it's a Blu-ray and a DVD and a digital copy. Quite a few extras, to be honest. Um, Eleven deleted scenes. None of them really added anything for no. me, and most of them were unfinished. So it was just like kind of Andy Serkis and kind of a nice way to see behind the scenes yeah. too. Um, none of them really added anything though. Mm-hmm. I think they used. I was hoping there would be some gaps filled in here and there, or maybe something that was so strongly tied to the original Planet of the Apes that they thought, oh, that's just too kitschy, so yeah, we're not going to do it. I was hoping, no, none of that. Um, but I definitely would say watch the deleted scenes. They're, they're, oh, yeah. They are fun, all of them. Um, and then there's The Genius of Andy Circus, which is a featurette literally a about Andy Circus. It goes through everything, they're, the technology. They're, they're kissing his behind. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's good. <laughs> if you wanted to give a promotional thing to the Oscars this year to say this is what how good Andy Circus is and this is what he does if you don't understand. This is yeah. the, this is the piece to show people. Um, cuz I'm sure there are a lot of these older members of the academy 
who don't get te- the technology of movies and go, well, what are you saying? This Andy Serkis, I don't see him. Yeah, exactly. What am I, what am I judging? Like, what is the like deal? That could be anybody. Yeah. Uh, so we've got scene breakdown, which is like a feature where you can see the movie in three different ways, like with the motion capture rig and without, and then the final scene, uh, breaking down one of the scenes. There's a new generation of apes, which is great, which actually compares some of the old movies with how they all fit together and, you know, tells you about... Did pretty... we watch that? Yeah. It's pretty good. It's the one that showed you a lot of clips from the 1968 movie. Right. Um, it was the first one we watched. Um, so it, what it did was, like, it was just interviews, basically, but it was telling you how they got from there to this. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You know? Um, and there's some in... If you're a fan of Planet of the Apes, there's a lot of in... I was going to say jokes, but not in jokes, in plot point type things in this movie if you look closely. Well, just references, really. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you call it. What do they call it, though? <laughs> Easter eggs? East, something for they, people to um, pick They up. just called it that, but they're just references. Uh, references. Yeah. So, um, there's also Breaking Motion Capture Boundaries, which is another... It's actually about... There's a scene on a bridge, and it's a big scene, and it's the biggest... Uh, undertaking a motion capture rig unit has taken because they have to motion capture lots of people at once, which isn't wasn't possible in the past. They said they did four actually at once. Six, four. Watch it again. They did four and then they multiplied them. And said the they did, said six is the maximum they can do because I was like, four was what they said was the most. No, and then they just. I swear he said six. <laughs> anyway, four or six. Who cares? Um, you could only do one last year. And not outside. No. So the the difference between inside motion capture on Avatar and outside motion capture. And the first thing I noticed is when I saw Andy Serkis' suit. It was it was all wired up. There was wires in between all the dots. When you when you watch the making of Avatar, it was just um stick on reflective dots that weren't powered in any way. Well these new ones are um infrared, which is what shoots out of your remote control to RG T V. And they're powered so they can fire infrared and then the camera picks up the infrared so they can do it in bright sunlight or dark or wherever. Um, looks highly uh, technical. Not. It looks really prototype, doesn't it? There's like batteries hanging off them. There's bits of wire. That nothing's... Yeah, I think it looks pretty well constructed. And I think it looks like a mad scientist made a suit. Like, mm. n- it's not like... Like, in five more years, you won't see any of them wires. It'll all be just integrated. They'll just be wearing this thing, you know? because um, we're obviously on the cutting edge here with this stuff so this explains all that and it actually goes into depth on this other guy who I don't know his name mm-hmm. Tony Sam who also plays one of the apes in the movie and he's integral it's not just Andy Serkis it's, there's quite a lot of people mm-hmm. even including a very small lady mm-hmm. who did the circus did his role for him whenever the at the time the size of Caesar because Caesar starts as a little chimp or yes. little Baby Ape, chip. yeah. Um, then there is um, The Great Apes, which is probably the best feature. Very act. good. Now, this is actually, forget Planet of the Apes, it's actually just like nature documentary breaking down orangutans, chimpanzees, and apes, right? Is that the three we go through? Pretty much a nature documentary on each. Like the last five, ten minutes each, they tell you about these species, everything about them, lots of stock photos, lots of footage of them, 
how extinct they are, how many are left in the world on each one, you will find out that they're, all of them are kind of going brink. away on the brink, yeah. And assholes hunt them. You know, we always, yeah, it's horrible, really. Uh, orangutans were my favourite, actually, out of them all. I love the way orangutans look. Yeah. And they're so, seem like pe- real peaceful. You know, like you say, they, they, what do they eat? 60 pounds of fruit a day or something. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Plants and fruit. Their entire life is just eating, shitting. Screwing. <laughs> Not very often for Not very orangutans. Often those, no. <laughs> uh, you will learn about the entire thing. I, li- I really liked it. Yeah, did I you? didn't expect it. I was thinking, oh, this. I know you didn't even want to play the first one. I'm like, oh, let's watch that. And they're like, okay. And then I said, well, let's watch the next one. And you then. So if you like, you know, documentaries about wildlife, they break down the three, three main species. Um, there is Composing the Score with Patrick Doyle, if you're interested in the score. There's audio commentaries, two audio commentaries, one by the director and one by the writer. So you can go back and watch it twice more with two different ones. Um, Character Concept Art Gallery is also um, IMDb Lookup, which is uh, standard on Fox Blu-rays now. I kind of like it, actually. Yeah. It's a pretty good uh, feature, especially if you're like, who the hell is that guy? I've seen him in something. You press the button, it tells you. Um so that's it. Lots of extras. Two full commentaries. Um, fantastic Blu-ray transfer and sound. The whole thing. It's, it's, I think it's a fantastic Blu-ray. I recommend... How much is it? I've seen it for uh, 17 bucks this week. That's good. That plus you get the DVD and the digital copy. It's the whole thing. So um, get it while it's hot. Or wait and it'll be even cheaper. Yeah. The only, only trouble is if you wait, you don't get that, oh, you don't get that gorgeous slipcover. Oh, that's Okay. It really is a, a good slipcover on this one. I, I must admit, it reminds me of the social network. It's got this rubbery kind of feel into it. They don't do it very often, but that one's nice. Um, so, uh, what do you, what's your uh, conclusion to uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes? I fucking loved it. Yes. If you want to know the truth. Probably I was excited. My heart was racing half the time because I love the Planet of the Apes. I love the concept. I remember watching it as a very young girl and... I won't give away anything, but if you don't know this part already, I guess too bad. But I mean, you know, they blew it up. You know, that moment, I actually, I mean, I was just like, I think that was one of the few moments ever in my life when I was so lost in a movie that that seemed real. That Statue of Liberty on the, like, covered with sand and, but how did it get there? It didn't get there. That is correct. It's just, they blew it up. I mean, my mind, I remember that exact moment, just like, oh my God. And then I was just wanted to watch it over and over and over and over and then see if I could figure it out. And I've seen it. You showed me. Touch, touch Caesar's nose. Feel it. I don't need to. Thanks. I'm not a fan of the slipcovers. I don't Fe- care. Um, I was just on Caesar's uh, slipcover. You're interrupting cover. my excitement. He's all... Um, Which tells me that you're playing with the cover, so you don't care what I'm saying. Is that what you're saying? It's, it was exactly like the moment in Poltergeist. That, what? That, what? What? What moment in Poltergeist? They moved the. Uh, I won't say it because it'll spoil the movie. Oh no! Not at all. Not to me. Yeah, not I, even close. I was like, oh my god, mind blown. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Wow. But you were an adult then, pretty much, almost. No. Poltergeist. We were teenagers. Like that. We were teenagers. Yeah. For VHS. Sure. I remember it. Very yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Remember, yeah, yeah. I watched it a lot of times. 
How's that mind blown by it? I, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can compare that moment to that moment in the Apes. It seems a little weak, but whatever. I guess everybody's got their what own about, moments. Um, the sixth sense. Yeah. You didn't see that coming on the sixth sense, did Absolutely you? Absolutely not. No. Don't a lot say of what people it is. I see. Don't say uh, what it is. No, I won't say what it is. I didn't see it coming. I was mind blown. Like literally mind like it could never do it again to me. I no, think. no, of course not. I don't feel like has anybody ever done it again to me? I don't mean that. Yeah. I mean something like that. I don't think so. I was mind blown. Oh no, I was mind blown again. Can you tell us or is it like The a- village. Oh, were you? Funnily enough. You weren't mind blown. I had no idea. But you weren't mind blown. I actually was a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. This, the the moment when it occurs. Yeah. I wasn't on, in that headspace at all. Like, I, I, I fell for it. Right, right. And then I felt a bit, I felt a bit like, oh, oh no, did. you did it again. Same guy did it again. <laughs> Well, of course. I should have been looking out for it, though. Right? Oh, right, right. Like, I should have already had that built in, right? But No, I didn't. It I, got me twice. So did you want to hear the rest of how I felt about this movie? Go. The thought... The, I mean, the feeling I had when he kind of... The very beginning hint of Caesar deciding this is going... I'm changing things. Because that's the way I felt He's looked around, he's grasped his surroundings, and this is between the getting bullied and being the head of everything. It's like that moment, and I just felt this thing, like, like, oh my god, I was so, I was tingly, I was so excited. You know what I loved? When he looked around and and looked at all the other apes. Kind of like, hmm. No, when he was like, we're going to get out of here. But he looked at the other apes and he goes, they're all idiots. The other guy did. The other guy said Yeah, but stupid. I mean, I just love that, where they were just looking. Yeah. Both sat there looking, and they're like, they're idiots. And it immediately clicked what he, what he has to do. He's got to just, root, yeah, no, about pump them. Me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I love that, because it's like, you know, in human beings, you know, people who operate like a ride. Same thing. It's the same thing. Somebody you is a bit more them. charismatic than the rest, or a bit more... You exploit the weaker, the yeah. dimmer, the more exactly. desperate ones than yourself. You know, people like Hitler. Well, you know, big others. things, big yeah, things yeah. that rise up. Yeah, yeah. It's only because they something in them is slightly elevated over everybody else, and they just get everybody in line. Literally through in intimidation. That. That's because literally in Hitler's case. Through intimidation and like promises of things and. Do you want to be kicked around forever? Because Cookies. I can lift you up. Yeah, it's it's really well. It's it's such a metaphor for everything else. It's so good. That's why Planet of the Apes, not just this one, all of them are so good because they reflect us. Not only do apes reflect us anyway, like they say, the ninety nine percent our genetic makeup. The whole story of Planet of the Apes reflects human civilization. The whole thing, in slavery, everything. Racism awesome. is, a, is Racism. touched in that yeah. one specifically. Yeah. Awesome. So this movie, awesome. Um, if you're a fan of Planet of the Apes, if you're not a fan of Planet of the Apes, good place to start. Watch this and then... I mean, I mean it would ruin the effect of number one. This is number one. This isn't number one. Well, it is. <laughs> it is now. If you were going to watch them, you'd that's watch like saying the New Hope is number is number four, but it's not. Is yeah, it? Yeah, watch cha- watch the original yeah. Planet of the Apes before you see this. Cause, Absolutely, because the effect would be ruined. Obviously, Absolutely, wouldn't it? 
And that'd be a sh- it'd be, I mean, now, because we've seen them all, if I was going to watch them in a row, this would be the first one. It'd be the perfect way to go about it. But yeah, if you're a new viewer, start with the first Charlton Heston one. And then go all, and then watch this as a prequel after them all. You know? I think yeah. that would be the best way. So yeah, uh, thanks to Fox for the Blu-ray. And uh, that... I was going to say that's our last one for this year, but no, it's not. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well... Because the next one will be on uh, New Year's Day. Correct. Correct. So that's our last movie. Have a nice Christmas. Have a nice New Year. So does that mean Larry Crown, which will be the next one we're doing, that can't be one of our favourite movies of... Correct. That'll be the first of next. Okay, this is it. I mean, we will technically be watching it in 2011, but we won't be discussing it until 2012. So Rise of the Planet of the Apes can be in the list. Of course. Excellent. All right, so... um, if you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com. You can enter a contest. Thanks to Fox for this Blu-ray, which I've already said, but I'll say it again, because definitely a double thanks on that one. Uh, next week's Blu-ray is Larry Crown, uh, starring Mr. Tom Hanks. Um, and we have a new game. What is this new game? I haven't got a title yet. No, so it just says new game. It is very famous lines from movies. You think you know them, Right. But if one is presented to you, da 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 da, and one word might be Do off or not off, would you go, oh yeah, that's right? And then if you're told, you know, that's it. So it's a line from a movie that's super iconic, and you're going to give it to me either correctly or incorrectly, when, and I have to decide if it's right or not. When you present the line, do you tell them what the movie is? I you can. Okay, I will. The movie's Pulp Fiction. All right. Okay. And let me get oh, this. Look. Let me get this straight. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. The line is, and this is from Pulp Fiction, and it's delivered from Marcellus Wallace's mouth. <laughs> if you want to be um, okay. completely played by Ving Rhames. You hear me talking, hillbilly boy? I ain't through with you by a damn sight. I'm going to get primal on your ass. You know that scene? Kinda. I haven't seen it many times as you have. Is that correct or incorrect? You hear me talking, hillbilly boy? <laughs> I ain't through with you by a damn sight. I'm gonna get primal on your ass. That is incorrect. It's medieval. Correct. Right, because ju- just then when you said it again, it was like, no, 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 no. All right, see, but it didn't didn't sink didn't in the first wrong. time. No, the first time it was like, <laughs> uh, hillbilly boy? That's what I was focusing on, but then just, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. So that's Those good Those hillbilly one, boys don't meet a good end. No, that's a good one, though. That's a very good one. That's very good. So you presented it to me with one word changed, and I guessed it correctly. Last week, you did not. You said it was correct. So that's the, I still need to find out a name, but I like the concept. because I do, because there's a lot to choose from. Absolutely. Whereas our old game, the one with the taglines, I was running out of taglines, literally iconic ones. Hmm. It doesn't have to be iconic. No, no. I, I was running out of ones that you'd have even heard of. Like I was, I was like, oh, this is Revenge of the Nerds three. But I've seen like thousands of movies. I know you have, but the movies in the lists that I was looking at, because not every movie has a tagline. True, true, very true. And most of the lists of taglines that you can find online, we'd been through most of yeah, them. Yeah, and some taglines are like the nerds coming at you June fifteenth, yep, exactly. <laughs> or the nerds get their revenge. So there's not a lot of guessing involved. The, right, so. I like Rise, the tagline for this, just Rise. That's it. No. <laughs> so uh, movie recommendations this week. I am going for in the um, vein of this movie, Splice. 
Which is another movie that shows that we're douchebags and we should leave shit alone. Yeah, it's not nearly the kind it's of not, quality you're talking no, about but here. No, it's definitely got the vibe of, you know... Dicking around with nature. Dicking around with... Obviously, that's what it's about. Dicking around with nature and taking it too far. And it will bite you in the ass. Or... Almost. Literally. <laughs> Screw um, you in the woods. Yeah. So, Splice. <laughs> the other one, in that's also the same vein, but not nearly as gruesome. E.T. Okay. Yeah. You know, don't we? Why do we have to be good. fuckers all the time? <laughs> Something cool or good happens, and we just fuck it up. Et exactly. And my other one of all the classic ape movies, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, really rings with me. I love that one. So Isn't I re- the weird one with the crystals and the spaceship and the rocket or the bomb and all that. They're no. worshiping the atomic bomb or something. No. Yes. Yeah. Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Um, I recommend all of the old Planet of the Apes movies. Yeah, absolutely. I recommend the TV series even more. I love the TV series. But Beneath the Planet of the Apes is if I had to recommend a Planet of the Apes movie. Um, So, yeah. That's my stuff for this week. What is yours? My recommendations are... I want to think of another kind of out of the side... Same concept. Where you're taking some creature or something that you don't fully understand and trying to mold it or control it in some way to your own thing and Alien Resurrection came to mind Is because that number four? Yeah. Number I don't like Alien Resurrection where the scientist guy yeah. has one of the aliens in there and it comes at him and he squirts it with like steam or something and it and he's yeah, trying to like teach it that, yeah. who's boss and I'm like, oh that's what they do with the water spraying on the humans and this one's spraying it on the people. And so that's another us trying to control something that and we all know in the alien movies, you can't fuck around with that guy. <laughs> that alien bitch is like, she's out of here. So there's no controlling that species. So the, I'm not saying that's a quality movie, but I'm saying the concept that we want to take something and mold it and shape it and squeeze it into our own use, you know, of some kind. And that just came to the top of my mind. And then, um, for some reason, it makes me think to watch Roots. The miniseries from the Come 70s. Because in the beginning of this movie, you see hunters in the woods grabbing a bunch of uh, chimpanzees, putting them in boxes, and then obviously shipping them off to the rest of the world who wants them for various purposes. In our case, medical testing. And in Roots, you see in the beginning, hunters going into the, into the jungles of Africa and grabbing human beings because of their skin color, putting them on ships and sailing them to different countries to be slaves. And that tells you that no species, including our own self, is, we're not, ex- we're just, <laughs> what would you say? We're just fuckers. Yep. And so I think I would like to watch it again. I don't know what the quality would be. It was a quality show, but I'd have to watch it again. But it's that concept that It was presented to us take... as a movie. Was it a TV show? Yes, TV show. It was presented in England as a movie. It was a miniseries. Yeah, it was on like... Um, it was just a show as a movie. A long movie, like six hours mm-hmm. or something. We just showed it all in one thing. I guess Like an omnibus. Well, that's what it was here. Just like a couple of nights or something. It was like a week, I think. Right. But that made me think of it, so there you go. I bet it's on Netflix. Oh, I'm sure. All right, so games well, I'm not and a- sure, but games and a scully stuff for this week. Not been playing many games this week. Um, and one game I was looking forward to this week, and I started playing was Jurassic Park. Did you see Jurassic Park this week? A little bit. What did you think of that? Looks a little old fashioned. It was shite. Shite. I is thought what you it guys is. were having fun. No, it was shit. 
It has no gameplay whatsoever. None. You just press buttons at the correct times. Mm. You never ever move your character with the joystick with the joystick. Ever. You either press things are happening and you press buttons. Oh, I get you. You never ever have And it looked like it was about from nineteen ninety nine to me. Yeah, it really is so disappointing. Like it's Jurassic Park. How awesome a game could you make from Jurassic Park? They've made several games of Jurassic Park over the years, and all of them have been terrible. There's one called Trespasser. It was one of the most horrible games ever. This one, horrible. They've made point-and-click adventure-type ones that were just not even worth talking about. I can't believe that in 2011, a company gets Jurassic Park license to make a video game and then makes this. It was... You've, you've used enough time talking about it. It was like a... If it's crappy. Almost like a um, like a free-to-play web game or something to me. Like, like, it would have been fine if it was in a web browser and I weren't paying for it. But to pay... Well, it's discounted, but it's 40 bucks on the 360. Wow. I mean... The it doesn't thing even it, look like a 360 game. No, the thing it does have going for it is it's fairly long. It's in four episodes. <laughs> so it's crappy, but it lasts a long time. I'm assuming so they were thing. going to sell it episodically at one point. Because it's in these cut-up episode one, episode two, episode three, episode four. I'm assuming that was going to be like on Xbox Live Arcade. You bought an episode and then you bought... But I think somebody figured out that if they sold the first episode and then said, now you can buy episode two, people wouldn't buy episode two because they figure out how shit episode one was. So I think they just bundled it all together and stuck it on a disc all at once. I can't recommend it at all. If it was like five bucks on sale, brand new, maybe if you like Jurassic Park, but you have to really like Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park 3 is a poor movie. This is worse than that. I, I think you should just buy that and watch that four times rather than watch this. <laughs> so yeah, Jurassic Park, the game, not good at all. The other game I've been playing is on the 3DS eStore. And you, you saw a bit of this this week as well. And it's called Pushmo. And it's the game where I showed you where you can make your own levels and just use the camera to grab levels yeah, off the Yeah, that's web. fun looking. Now, which is a cool... Um, so what the game is, essentially, is there's you've got a little guy and there's a tower and you can pull and push blocks in the tower hence the name Pushmo Um, and you have to get to the top of the tower to rescue a child Um, it's this bizarre Japanese type child I don't know why you're rescuing a child something to do with the story is at the beginning is the um, like the the playground or something has been I don't know somebody's kidnapping all the children that's what it seemed like to me. I didn't really pay attention. <laughs> so you've got to rescue these children from these push blocks. So say it, a very simple level, there's three blocks. Uh, and you can pull them out and push them in. So you pull them out and make stairs and climb up and grab the child. It gets more complicated than that because eventually there's hundreds of blocks to pull and push. And you, there's only one way up. Very similar to that game, Catherine, that we played this year. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Pulling and pushing blocks. It's like that, but not as hard as that. So, the big the big um, like twist on this game is you can create your own levels in this level designer. So, I can make a level and then immediately publish it to the web by... It spits out a QR code. They're called QR codes. You've probably seen them all over the place these days. They have them on movie posters. They have them on products that you're going to buy. So you take a photo of a QR code with your iPhone and then immediately 
you're brought to the product's website so you can research the product a little bit more. Or in the case of Blu-rays, you take a photograph of the cover and then you see the trailer immediately. So if you're in the shop wondering what Rise of the Planet of the Apes is, you can watch the trailer. That's the idea of QR codes. Well, they If use... you're carrying your 3DS with you. Well, in, in general, it's iPhone or smartphones mm, okay. that will use QR codes. So the 3DS can also use QR codes now, even ones on products. So if you've got it with you, you can do that. But how they're using QR codes is when you build a level, you say export, and it exports a JPEG with a QR code and a picture of your level. Now you can post that from the 3DS web browser onto a forum or onto your website, and then other people can come along, hold the 3DS up in front of their monitor, take a little photograph, well, get, get the little code in line with the camera, and it works, it's flawless, it's seamless. It's like, within a second, you've got their level. So there's a big thread on NeoGAF, um, which is like everybody's, everybody's uh, levels that they've made. I can go along and just take, hold it up against the screen. I've got 30 new levels for the game, and some of the levels are so inventive that people are making. They're making Mario that you climb up, a computer that you climb up, or like, um, you know... Caesar's head from Planet of the Apes, like because it's eight bit, you can make anything really, you know. You see, and then not a lot of detail, but that's the idea. Yeah, like an eight bit version of anything. Right now, and the the thing is, you're probably thinking, well, couldn't you make a level that's unsolvable, and then it'd be a pile of shit, it'd be pointless playing it because it's a really hard yeah, level, yeah. and then I play it for two days, and then realize, oh, you just can't do this level. Well, no, because how they've done it ingeniously is when you create your level you have to finish it at least once get to the top before you can upload it before it will give you the code so once you're given the code then you can post the code and other people can play the level so you know there's a quality control already in there so you can go and get a bunch of levels right it's really fun it's um, $5 on the 3DS store it's in 3D as well it's not just a flat game and the 3D actually makes sense in this game because you're pulling and pushing blocks so you know, if you turn it to non-3D mode, the game's not the same. It's one of them games that 3D actually makes a difference. Right. Um, it costs five bucks. The game's limitless if you really get into it. It costs Plus, five dollars and then you, you, you're getting all those other things for free. And the levels that the developers have built in there, just the actual campaign mode, there's 300 levels for you to play. Right. Before you even start on other people's levels. It's probably like the bargain of the year if you're into puzzle games. Um, it's quite difficult for me. Got to about level... I'm on the second set of levels. And I'm getting to the point where I feel very intelligent when I solve a level. <laughs> it's one of those kind of right, games. Yeah. It makes you feel clever when you've done it. So, um, yeah, that's Pushmo. It's actually called Pushmo in the States. But elsewhere, it's called Push Blocks. Not sure why, but if you're in the UK, look for Push Blocks. If you're in the US, Pushmo. I've uh, been playing more Mario Kart 7. Talked about that last week. It's really fun. I recommend it. So, Sid Talk, what's for dinner? What's for dinner is some corn, Q-U-O-R-N, nuggets, French fries. I'm going to make some succotash with hominy and green beans. We're going to have some ketchup. Add that to the mix. And then I'm going to have um, Oreos for dessert. And I just opened the can of home canned, homemade salsa that my best friend slash cousin Kimberly made. She had tons of tomatoes apparently over the summer and she handmade and canned 
tomato sauce and spaghetti sauce and ketchup and salsa. And the funny thing is, my um, we have cousins. We have two sets of twin cousins. One set's 31, one set's um, 25. They just turned 25 a couple weeks ago. And one of the 25-year-old twins was st- sitting there next to me at Christmas when Kim gave us all these. We had our Christmas like two weeks ago. And uh, Kim handed us out and... She was sitting there, and she said, oh, we canned this, and we canned that. And Kaylee goes, what do you what do you mean, canned it? You mean, did you freeze it? And she's like, no, we canned it. Put it in cans. And she just said this look on her face, like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you mean. And my mom was like, well, honey, you know, you, you put it in a can, you sterilize the can, you seal the lid, and then you've got it. And she's just like, I don't know what you mean. And that just shows, like, a general... And even my aunt, her I know mother. I what that means. I know, but I'm saying, at 25 I've years never old... i anything. Yeah, but it, she just didn't... She's like, you don't uh-huh. put it in the freezer or anything? And even my aunt, who's her mother, is a big fan of homemade and canned things and whatnot. But that generation, that's kind of maybe getting lost on, the concept. It's actually more jarred something, isn't it? No, it's called canning. Is it? Like pickling and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um... So that was very, it's very delicious. You say it smells vinegary, whatever. You didn't even try it. But it's real chunky and juicy. And if it were me, I, I would like probably puree it a bit. Yeah, more like It's got saucy. loads of chunks of tomato, pepper, onion. Um, she thinks it's really hot because oh. it said hot on the jar, but it's not at all. Like oh. there's no heat to me. But it was very delicious and I ate it with the red and green chips, which you also hate because you think it'll turn your poop gross colors. It will. Therefore, I don't I think it all myself. And uh, that's it. I don't have anything else for now. We're going to be having our Christmas and whatnot. So it'll be fun coming up. And then we'll discuss it next time. Yeah, so um, tune in on New Year's Day. New Year's Day. And we will have a review of Larry Crown and our top movies of 2011. Um, so thanks for listening to the show. I want to remind you about our websites sigtar.com, ascully.com. You can also, ascoli.com is just uh, at a Christmas uh, facelift for the holidays, if you want to go and Very have a look small. at Very small. Well, uh, small really, is it? No, I think it looks pretty cool. Pretty big, yeah. Uh, so yeah, a Christmas facelift, go and have a look. Well, you'll be having a look probably when you go and get a podcast. Um, you can also catch us on Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube. You can catch this podcast on the Zoom Marketplace, the iTunes Music Store, or the RSS feed. It won't be called the Zoom Marketplace in a, in a while, I don't think. It's probably going to have a different name, isn't it? The Zoom is no more. So probably with the Microsoft Marketplace or some yeah. boring shit like that. Um, you can email feedback to me at aschoolyaschoolyacom. Don't email Sitok. She does not want your Christmas greetings or anything emailed to her. Correct. And stay classy. Uh, oh, yeah, stay classy, Planet of the Apes. I really do now. I'm happy to have another Planet of the Apes if it's handled with the same people i mean handle, but, you know this way very exciting yes and i'm gonna say think for yourself or someone will do it for you 